Welcome to the Short Term Show, the show about short-term rentals and long-term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short-term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. Hey guys, welcome back to the Short Term Show. Today I have Jared and Ashley Guy. They are a husband and wife team that I think might have short-term rentals in the most markets of anyone who's been on the show yet. So that's definitely interesting and I'm really interested for them to tell you guys their story and excited about that. So Ashley and Jared, how's it going? Thanks for coming. Hey Avery, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So start off for by telling me a little bit about yourselves and how you got into real estate. So I'm in direct sales. Uh, I'm a nurse. And about when I was like 27, uh, my uh, investor friend who's like our mentor told me to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read that. It's hooked. I know it's everyone's holy grail, but I didn't read it until I was 27. And uh, I introduced the idea to Ashley. And it snowballed into this idea that we wanted to get some rentals. Um, and then another uh, like mentor I have said he was in the Smokies. Um, I looked into the Reese area. I heard your podcast. I told Ashley. And then uh, two days later, we got pre-approved. Uh, a week later, we uh, s- submitted an offer and started our journey. So you jumped right in. That's awesome. That's the best the best way to learn. Um, so tell me this. So I'm always interested to interview other husband and wife teams because my husband and I are very much business partners on the whole investing thing. And for us, it just kind of clicked. It all just kind of fell into place, like almost by luck. So I'm interested to hear whose idea was it? Like who came across the idea of investing in real estate first? And did it require any convincing of the other spouse? Or was everybody just kind of on the same page from the get go? Jared was definitely interested first. And we were looking at long terms, I think for almost two years and didn't pull the trigger because I didn't get excited about the returns that we were looking at for those specific properties. And then it quickly changed the conversation from, okay, look at the Smokies. Here's what's available. We did hours and hours of research and then I was finally on board. And so at that point, once I'm on board, it's balls to the walls. We were ready to go and we've just been you know, sprinting ever since. So we're both on board 100% looking for huge expansion from here on out. I usually tell everybody I'm like the dreamer. And then I tell like my dreams, Ashley, and then she kind of puts those into reality. Uh, I think real big. And then I never really kind of put my ideas, um, you know, in action, but she, she does that for me. So we're a good combo. Yeah, that's kind of opposite for myself and and my husband. I'm kind of the dreamer and he's the trigger guy. So I'd have a long list of things I wanted to do and none of them actually done without him. He's the one that makes it happen. But that's awesome. That's awesome that you guys have that synergy. So tell me what is in your portfolio right now and in what markets? So we have two cabins in Pigeon Forge. We have one cabin in Blue Ridge and we have two condos in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And then down the pipeline, we're closing in about two weeks in Davenport, Florida, and in Crystal Beach, Texas. Awesome. So you have a mix of condos and single families. I I like that. Um, Can you tell me, so which 
let's start here. Which one, which market was first for you guys? Uh, the Smokies was first. Um, and then three months afterwards, we bought a house basically right next door. Um, and then, then we went to Gulf Shores and then we went to Blue Ridge. Okay. <laughs> and back to Gulf Shores. So, uh, was it difficult? Because a lot of people are, they're single family people or they are condo people. And a lot of times people do not dabble in both. So were there any challenges with going from owning two single families to now a condo? So our condos are duplexes. So they're not your high rise condos. So for us, that wasn't a huge change. It is a little bit more difficult when we there's something you know, the HOA has to address that we can't just pick up the phone and fix ourselves. That's probably the biggest adjustment where we're like, okay, we have to call the president and have him do it. But not really any hesitations about that. We actually like both of our HOAs very much from where we're at and love the setup and the properties themselves. And I'll just add, like, I had this idea in my head from my other friend that was like, avoid condos. I have a condo. The assessments are terrible. You'll never make any money. Uh, and I had this big um, wall and then we had to like tear that down. I'm like, you know, it's actually pretty great. Um, I don't have to do any pool maintenance or any worry about any of that. The internet and cable is already paid for. These are all expenses I was going to be paying anyways. And as long as your um, HOA is on board with short-term rentals, then there's not a whole lot to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's definitely a difference in, especially when people are sharing like anecdotal examples like that. A lot of people will who have problems are people who are talking about condos in residential areas. So, you know, like a condo in Starkville, Mississippi, where I'm from, is going to have a lot different viewpoint on short-term rentals than a condo in Dest, condo building in Destin, Florida or Gulf Shores, because all the condos that are in those types of markets are were basically built for people to come stay in as short-term rentals. There are not a lot of people that are living there. And those that are kind of understand what the deal is because that's always been the deal. So you don't really run into that anti-short-term rental HOA stuff in those markets. Um, so tell me why you guys went the short-term rental route rather than long-terms to start off. Oh, actually, we uh, went. We, we live kind of by a college town. It's a Division three school, real small. Uh, I took Ashley over to this property. I was like, "Hey, let's check this out. We can really afford it." And then I ran the numbers, and I was like, "You know, we could probably get like five, three hundred, five hundred dollars in it." Ashley walked in and was like, instantly like, "This is terrible. Never gonna do this ever again." And that's when we heard um, my my buddy said, "Hey, check out the Smokies before you get into all these rentals." Um, he's like, the market's awesome. And that's when we, I said, we listened to your podcast. You changed our financial mindset forever. Uh, we're always grateful for that. And then that's really how we got started. Well, that's very sweet. I think you guys had the mindset. I just kind of showed you, you could do it. If, if that, like you guys, it's all you. Um, so let's see. So you guys went Smokies first cause you kind of had, um, a few recommendations from a few different places. So what made you decide to go? Well, I mean, you guys, I would actually like to hear why you decided to get into each of the markets that you're in, because now you're in like, you know, five of them. So that's quite the diversification of markets. So uh, tell me what attracted you about each of these markets. 
So for Smokies, we went with recommendations. Uh, we, Jared and I actually had never been to Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg, so we didn't know why people would vacation there, but the numbers made sense and we didn't go visit the property or the town before we bought it. So we drove in like, okay, let's go see why people come here. And uh, that was really an interesting experience for us, just trusting the numbers. And those have obviously worked out fantastic. And then Gulf Shores. So it's, this is a cute story. We have always, um, Jared and I like to run on the beach when we do beach vacations. And we took a vacation there uh, not too long ago with our family. And like we would always say, like, we're going to own a beach house one day. We're going to own a beach house one day. And we love that little area. And then we finally were like, wait a minute, like we can have a vacation home that pays for itself and makes us money and we can visit whenever we want. So we went three times last year and that was really what drew us to Gulf Shores because we'd been there and we knew we loved it and the prices were just phenomenal. What about Blue Ridge? <laughs> oh, I don't really know what about Blue Ridge. I don't know a whole lot about it. You know, I've never been to Blue Ridge so we bought the place. I drove down and checked it out. I kind of I'd already put our trust in uh, the process of the short-term shop, and uh, it's, it's doing well. And then with Pitch Forge, the funny thing was uh, when we went down there, I was like so overwhelmed by the crowd that like I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many people here. And I was like, it's going to be a great investment because mm -hmm. the, the enormous amount of people, there's not that many places to stay. And then, I mean, you've already broke down the numbers for everybody. So it, it turned out to be great. And then um, Orlando, of course, I love Disney and I've been dying to take our kids back. We have a large family, so we have five kids. Uh, that is not cheap. You have to split up hotel rooms or things like that. So when we saw this opportunity that we could get a big home, but also the numbers look really good there as well. Disney's never slow. So that was why we were interested there. And Crystal Beach just looked like a, a cheap beach town. <laughs> we always kept putting it off. And then she's like, hey, I got one of my friends in a contract there. And I was like, okay, well, I need to research this real quick. So then I got on AirDNA and I was like, oh, all right, some of these places make great money. I was like, if we can find like a beachfront property, maybe we can really do well. And then we just happened to find a four bedroom beachfront that was in like our price range. Um, and we're like, I, I think this is going to do well. Awesome. Well, those are all great reasons to get it, except for maybe the Blue Ridge. I don't know why we got into Blue Ridge. How's that? How's the Blue Ridge? How's that property doing? Um, it's good. It's a three bedroom, three bath that sleeps 14. So okay. it's going to have a little bit lower occupancy, a higher average daily rate, beautiful, big home. And um, it's doing it's doing really well, actually. So we're excited to see what it does through peak season. Yeah, we like that 90 minutes away from like Atlanta. So it's got like a crowd, you know, so they're just trying to get away for the weekend. So we, we definitely are booked almost every weekend and we haven't had it a full year. So uh, we'll see if we hit our projections. And uh, I mean, our projected numbers were still great. So um, ask us in 12 months how I like Blue Ridge. Okay, I will do that. Uh, so you guys have a big family you mentioned and you're in five markets with six or seven, five, is it five active and two in the pipeline or... Okay. So five short-term rentals, you both work and you have five kids. So tell me how the management looks. Tell me about a day in the life there. How does the management look, Jared? <laughs> Ashley runs all, most of the tech side. So like I'll answer the, uh, some of the text messages. And if I don't know how to respond, cause she's busy doing all million things. I'm like, Hey, you need to answer this. Like, I don't know how to say it. 
So of course, we're using all of the automated systems that are available to us. That is really huge. Um, our kids are young, so our oldest is eight. Um, they're eight, six, four, three, and one. So it's a lot of chaos going on all the time. And um, I luckily get to work from home, so that allows me the flexibility to be able to manage to kind of be on call, but also still, you know, be mom. So we're, I'm not, I would say I'm probably 80 to 90% of the manager. And then he hops in when, when I can't do that. Yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell me how, oh, sorry, that was loud. Uh, so tell me how you guys are financing these. So lots of different markets, different uh, types of properties. What's the financing look like? Uh, first one was a second home mortgage, 10% down. Uh, next one was um, an investment loan, uh, 15%. And then to finance that one, I ended up doing uh, the loan withdrawal from my retirement. That kind of helped with that. Um, and then we had filed taxes in between. Uh, so we were able to claim a little bit more income and we got pre-approved for another second home. That's what got us into Gulf Shores. Um, at that point, we had some money roll. We've just taken all of our money and just keep snowballing it into the next property. And that's when we went to Blue Ridge with um, her parents. Yep. So we have partnerships in Blue Ridge and then we brought in a different partner for Gulf Shores. We have a lot of listeners who are really interested in partnerships. So do you mind telling us what the structure of your partnerships looks like for these deals? Absolutely. So we keep it super simple. It's 50% split as far as down payments and equity. Uh, we're the managing party right now. That will probably transition in Blue Ridge um, so that our partners can take over the managing there. But everything is 50-50 split. Very simple. So when you are approaching a partner to jump on board with one of these things, so what what's your pitch? Because I know that... Uh, a lot of my, everybody says friends and family, friends and family. And I, I just don't think it would have gone well if I'd uh, tried to ask my family to join in on a partnership on something like this back then. Uh, so what's your strategy for when you're approaching partners? Well, initially we've like shared our journey on Facebook. So we've got a, a big kind of following people will root you on uh, lots of people will message you. Um, that's how, um, we got our second partner. He just followed our numbers and he had money to invest and uh, was willing to share. And then, I mean, we're super close family. Um, so with her parents, they've seen all of our numbers too. Uh, her dad is like more of the, uh, the investor, had to talk her mom into it a little bit. Um, and everything's been working out great. Jared is a person that's incredibly resilient and doesn't hear the word no. So he will just ask and ask and ask and say, look at this property. Here's the numbers. Do you want in on this? Here's the numbers. Here's the numbers. Here's the numbers. Do you want in on this? Like he is so his determination is fantastic. And it's not, you know, just for personal gain. It's that we can minimize someone's risk by doing it together. So if they're interested in that, you know, pretty passive income, because I want to be the one that is managing, uh, he's very comfortable asking and sharing uh, with all of the people that he, everyone that he knows, really. Yeah. I think I annoy, I think I annoy him a lot of the time, but it's whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. Cause I'm the opposite. I'm if, if I'm trying to pitch something to somebody and they just use the wrong inflection in their response that I'm like, Oh, sorry, never mind. <laughs> like I don't even, I'm like, okay, never, this is a dumb idea. I'll just take this. I'll, 
Never yeah, I just have the mindset, you can offend me, but I can probably offend you. So it's whatever. <laughs> awesome. So what would you say has been your best investment decision so far? The first one? Yep. Yeah, the first one, because that snowballed everything. Um, it's crazy when you are on a podcast and you hear someone talk about cash flow. You don't understand what cash flow is. You're just like, everyone says cash flow is king. What is that? And then you get under contract, you get super nervous. You're, you have no idea if you just made the worst decision in your life or the best decision in your life. And then that first month or first even week on Airbnb, you see your property book like the entire month. And then the second month is booked. And then technically our third month was booked because we were way underpriced. And that's a learning tool that you'll learn along the way. But um, after you get all your expenses paid for and you have a couple thousand dollars in profit, it like clicks and it hits you and you're like, this is cash flow. This is what building uh, your financial uh, future looks like. And that's kind of what took off. It really is like a mindset thing. Once you start getting a few thousand bucks in the bank, like a few thousand more than you're used to having, then things really click and you're able to say, like you're able to see what you're working so hard for. And then the next one comes easier and the next one comes easier. So I want to touch on, you said you were hideously underpriced on something. So let's talk about that really quick because people get really, really caught up before the, and rightfully so in their analysis stage in how do I know, you know, they're looking at other properties around what they might be investing in and saying, oh, well, their prices are really low or uh, how can I make money at the prices that these people are charging? So how did you realize what made you say, oh, I'm really badly underpriced on this? Well, I'd say the first mistake is we weren't charging the full cleaning cost uh, for whatever reason. I felt, yeah, exactly. I felt uncomfortable about that. We were initially going to go with a different cleaner that was cheaper. And then I was like, I can't charge people this much to stay here for two days just to clean it. So that was a huge mistake we made at the beginning, just our own personal insecurities uh, that we let you know shine through. And we realized once we started booking out, you know, seeing everyone's posts and then doing the six week roll, like, well, we're well past six weeks. Basically, every booking we got, we just started upping our base price. Like, okay, that was probably too cheap. Let's do it again. Raise it up again. And then just knowing the seasonality of the market. So we got in on like January, you know, January, February, your slower months. Um, whereas, I mean, our February was great at that time period because we booked up. Um, but then we still had low prices going into spring break when we should have been raising them. So we didn't know that. We left several thousands of dollars on the table. But I mean, it's just part of the learning curve. Yeah, definitely. It definitely is. And back when we started, there weren't really dynamic pricing tools yet. We had to to do everything manually. So I definitely welcome the era of, of Price Labs. Are you guys using Price Labs? Are you using something else? Oh, heck Price yeah. Labs. Yeah. Uh, cool. So what would you say so far your favorite of the, pro the properties that you already own and have in service which property or which market is your favorite? And then which property is your favorite if there's a difference? What would you say? Um, I mean, they're all really going to do like roughly the same numbers. But the funny story is Ashley's going to like, he show us kills me on this because there was a studio that we didn't, I didn't want. I, I didn't think it looked good. I, I just, I didn't like it. Um, and this occupancy is 94%. It provides us the least amount of hassle. It just, I always say it just prints money and they always, everyone always says, you know, the bigger property, the more you make, which is true, um, generally, but 
uh, at the 94% occupancy, it just, it just does fantastic. And I didn't want it. Ashley did. And she just holds that over my head. So this is our studio, studio cabin in Pigeon Forge. Okay. I have a studio cabin in Pigeon Forge too, and it crushes it. And I tell people all the time, cause, uh, and I actually talked about this on the last episode too, that yeah, the highest return on investment does come at four bedrooms and up, but I always have to tell people, but I own a few one bedrooms and a studio that I will never sell. I'm actually under contract I'm on another one bedroom uh, down here in Destin that I'll never sell them because they do exactly what we need them to do. And the payment on them is really low because they're so little and I'll just never get rid of them. Like they, they just do really, really well. Even though, yeah, my four bedrooms make more money. I net more money on my four bedrooms, but those little ones, you know, don't underestimate them. Yeah. I would have an army of one bedrooms if I could. <laughs> I know, I know people that do. <laughs> Stacy, who we interviewed earlier is one of those people. Uh, so would that make the Smokies your favorite market or would you say Gulf Shores? The Smokies was fantastic. And then the economic boom and the Avery boom and the podcast boom, it's really driving the market up a little bit. <laughs> so you're not going to find those sweet deals. So that's kind of why we've been jumping in these other markets because, uh, I mean, like Disney, we got six beds, six bath, pool, hot tub for six fifty. You you might buy a one bedroom in the Smokies for six fifty right now. I, I mean, it, it's a little crazy, but um, that that's kind of why. I would say for me, it's Gulf Shores. Uh, we're really seeing very similar numbers as our Smokies properties. Of course, you have seasonality there, but that for me is is we have the opportunity to still make a ton of money and have that vacation spot, and it's just beautiful. Every time we go down there, I think we just fall more in love with that area definitely beautiful. So let's talk about your your Orlando place really quick. So what are you you projecting that you'll be able to do on the six bed six bath with a pool? So we're hoping that we're going to do a little bit more theming to it and push it up towards the $100,000 mark, maybe 120 depending on how excellent our theming is. Yeah, we I mean, we, I think it's all based on the theme. So you really need to theme your place out to make it stand out. If, if you're not, I don't think you're going to generate those numbers, but we have, we have plans to do that. So. Gotcha. So are you guys doing the custom bedroom themes or are you sticking with the common areas like the game room and stuff? Or what are you guys thinking? Or do you know yet? So it'll be both. Um, we're not probably going to do the custom built beds or anything like that. More going to be the DIY theming that we can do on our own, but still push a little over the top in the game room. Um, there's some mild theming currently. So we're going to focus on the kids rooms and the game room. So five kids under eight, who wins the argument of what movie of what Disney movie gets to be themed in the different rooms? Well, I guess there's six <laughs> bedrooms. So each each kid could technically pick their own, but how's that going? Uh, that would be Jared. Jared is the one that's going <laughs> to the themes. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I love cars and Toy Story. They're my favorites, so it'll probably be something like that. Yeah, those are typical dad favorites. Typical dad. Uh, our kids right now are obsessed with Encanto. And I mean, I those songs get stuck in my head so bad. Um, so I think if we were to get one, we'd probably have to do an Encanto room for our daughter, even though I know you're supposed to technically stick with like the big blockbusters, like your Toy Stories, Lion King, all that. But I think I'm going to let her have her Encanto room, I think. I love it. We love it. <laughs> it's a good one. 
Um, I like that there is a character represented who seems to have hideous anxiety issues. I feel very seen uh, that Louisa has a whole song about how anxious she is. So uh, uh, thank you, Disney, for being inclusive of those of us with anxiety <laughs> problems. Um, all right. So now let's talk about Crystal Beach. So we've we've gone over Smokies, Gulf Shores, a little bit about Blue Ridge, Orlando. So Crystal Beach, Texas. So what are you getting there? Did you say four bedroom? Mm-hmm. What do you project to make on that one? Gross. Uh, we are, uh, the purchase price is $775 and we are beachfront. We are looking to do around $120. We're going to actually do a kind of a complete cosmetic makeover to it and give it a really fun theme. So we're actually going to do a little bit kind of a mid-modern retro look to it to make it stand apart from your traditional like beach cottage and your more modern looking. Uh, just the house itself would need a ton of work to compare to the luxury homes there. So we want to stand out and create a unique experience. We're also going to add like a oversized hot tub as well for added revenue to that. It's kind of interesting. The market doesn't really have a whole lot of pools down there. So we really got to figure out how to finance to get a pool because the, when you look at the air DNA numbers on the ones with the pool are all like 175 plus, um, there's really like hit and miss market on the air DNA stuff. So you really got to do a little bit more research and digging. But um, yeah, right now the theme is totally like nineties. Everything's beige and uh Oh, super condensed. Right I don't think they have a TV larger than like 30 inches and, and the TVs in the bedrooms might be the smallest I've ever seen. Wow. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, that'll be fun. So um, another another little theming project in yes. addition to the Disney, you're going to do those at the same time? Uh, we'll probably do the full Texas makeover first and then hop back into Disney. We have some existing bookings in Disney that uh, will go for about a month. So that'll give us some time. We're not going to make any changes during those bookings, but we want to start over and get them fresh with some nice ideas in there. Awesome. So you guys have a lot of really exciting stuff going on. So that's awesome. Um, all right. We are to the last three questions of the show. The first of which is what advice would you give 20 year old Ashley and Jared. Oh gosh. Oh, so I always summarize the rich dad, uh, poor dad is the Holy grail. I didn't read it till I was 27. So I didn't get into that mindset until I was 27. So, um, if you can change your financial mindset, the earlier, the better. Um, cause then the earlier you can get started, the, the more you're just going to snowball faster. So that would be what I would tell myself. I think I would, encourage everyone to make sure that you don't have a victim mentality. And what I mean by that is you're in control of your destination and where you want to go and how you're going to get there. So it's not that things are happening to you. It's going to be how you react, how you're preparing, how you're overcoming every obstacle that you're going to face to get there. And, and don't sit back and hear the word no. Go after exactly what you're looking for. You're going to go against the grain. And we're put into this box that keeps getting smaller and smaller. Like break the damn box. That's really great advice. Just you got to keep going. Uh, let's see. So next question, very similar, but slightly different to the first question. Uh, what advice would you give a new investor who's interested in getting started today? Do it. <laughs> uh, very good advice. Succinct. I like it. Yeah. Commit first, figure it out later. Um, don't get an analysis paralysis. There's like, there's so many um, resources you can technically use today. I mean, you can gain more knowledge on YouTube than any college education is ever going to teach you. 
That is 100% true. I have a master's degree and I learned a lot. I've learned a lot on uh, really on a lot of platforms that were not formal education. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really good advice. And last question, what is your favorite book that has impacted your mindset? So mine would be The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. That's just um, evaluating your mindset, where your limits that you're putting on yourself, breaking through them, recognizing them. For me, that was pivotal in, in just my life changes. And I love everything Grant Cardone says. I want someone yelling at me, telling me I got to do more, thinking bigger. So uh, after every purchase, this is a true story, like I always read 10x and um, be obsessed or be average. Uh, I just want to keep thinking bigger, thinking small. Uh, like last, when we first got started, if you would have told me we're in the position we are now, which is what, 14 months into mm -hmm. this, that we would be going from selling our house of $240,000 to now we're going to have like 4.5 million on our uh, portfolio. And this amount of time, I think you're crazy. And now I just realized that I wasn't thinking big enough. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're at. Yeah, that's really great advice too. I really, I know Grant can be a little polarizing, but I do really like his books a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming. Uh, Julie, your agent just walked past my office window to tell me that I'm parked sideways. So uh, the doors are locked, so she can't get in. But uh, she did tell me that. So I guess I better go move my car. Um, well, thank you guys so much for coming. And uh, I know, Ashley, you have a training, coaching program, YouTube, yeah. something. Uh, do you want to, you want to pitch that really fast? Plug sure. it. So we're basically kind of sharing our experience, breaking down the numbers for everyone. And just so that you can decide if it's the type of investment that you're looking for. So you can follow me at the Fem investor on basically any platform. Awesome. Jared, do you want to be reached out to, or would you prefer that they just reach out to Ashley? I just put everybody to Ashley. I'm usually a polarizing <laughs> figure like Cardone. Everybody seems to love her. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. A lot of really valuable information here, and we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming. Thank yeah, you for thanks. everything, Avery.